Are you frustrated with supply chain issues? How about the state of manufacturing in America? Want to bring some of those jobs back here? What about higher paying jobs, better working conditions? Then you're not going to want to miss this episode of the Amplify Prosperity Podcast. Let's go. There is no question that the world has fundamentally changed, and America is fundamentally changing with it. For decades now, we have watched manufacturing go overseas. We have become more and more dependent on a global supply chain. That has all been amplified over the last two or three years. American pay is down. Inflation is up. We have politicians that keep promising to make America great again or to build back better. But really, what are they doing? At the end of the day, the only people that can save America is you. Us, the hard-working citizens. Nobody's coming to save us. Now, I have some experience here. I worked in manufacturing at Ford Motor Company for well over a decade. My father worked in the industry for 40 years as well. Now, my father's America was filled with great jobs. He could go from company to company. He could continue to get increases in pay. It was a great time in this country. My generation working there was still pretty good. It was the old factories, a little dirty. The health conditions were not optimal. But they did go to just-in-time manufacturing, and what seemed like a great idea then has turned into nothing but a nightmare under our current conditions. Again, we've seen jobs go overseas. They go to Mexico. They haven't stayed in America. But my guest today, Jason Azevedo, is working to change all that. His company, MRCA, or Manufacturing Revitalization Corporation of America, they go in, they invest in businesses, and they turn them around. After four to five years, they transfer ownership over to the employees. Their focus is to have full control over the supply chain and build products in America with quality, healthy, happy employees. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Let's get to the interview. Hey, before we get started, can you help me with one other thing? If you find value in this episode, can you hit the like button, subscribe, bell notification, leave a comment, let me know what you found valuable. And if you think this is terrible, leave a comment, let me know that too. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me on today. I'm I'm really excited to sit down and talk. All right, man, we're going to talk manufacturing, United States manufacturing. That's not something really that you hear much about it seems like anymore we we know we're in this weird economy we keep hearing about supply chain issues so can you tell me a little bit about your company and and what you're accomplishing with that yeah so we uh, at mrca we specialize in buying legacy us manufacturing companies these are usually second second third generation companies um and but our, our core belief is that there's a moment in time right now to revitalize uh, manufacturing companies. And what that really boils down to is bringing in new life, bringing in ideas. These are great companies that have stood the test of time, build great products. And oftentimes that they're just waiting for that next era of, Hey, is it uh, newer technology? Um, employee wellness, that the, the factories that all of us know that, we think of, we, we think of Henry Ford making the Model T. Well, that's not, that's not what manufacturing really is anymore. Um, it's not a dangerous, uh, it, 
it, it's not these big, dirty, dangerous, crazy factories. I mean, Tesla has white epoxy floors and gorgeous lighting, and it, it, it's beautiful, and it's, the safety is all there. So it really, it's revitalizing these, these legacy companies to match the, the image of what this modern manufacturing is. Um, and, and we find great success in it. And in turn, a lot of these facilities are in um, smaller communities that have their own personality, but those factories are a big deal to that, that area. So we've realized that by revitalizing these companies and revitalizing the jobs and revitalizing the people, they go back into their community, be it their families or the local events with more energy, feeling better. Their bodies aren't aching from leaving work. So you see this whole community get protected and, and invigorated because you revitalize the manufacturing sector within it. So that, that, that's truly what we, we push and focus on. Yeah. So a lot of people might not know this about me, but I actually worked at Ford Motor Company in a plant for 12 years. I was part of that dirty, filthy environment. I mean, it, there was no air conditioning. Literally, there was a mist of oil in the air. I could be in there 30 minutes and just oil dripping off of my body. And, and I've actually tried to look up some of the people that I worked with. And, and I'll say 80% of those folks have passed on to the other side. They're, they're dead. I can tell you, I, I guarantee you a big chunk of that was the unhealthy environment that we worked in. Yeah. So now you, you talk about these nice, clean environments, and, and, and I've seen this in, in these new factories. But one thing I would like for you to address is technology has changed. And the perception for a lot of people is there's less employees in these plants or there's less jobs and these robots are taking away manufacturing. Is that accurate or has it just kind of shifted the way employees work within the factories themselves? It's shifted. And what it's done it's made the employees more effective. Um, you, f find me a manufacturing plant that, that, that's doing a good job right now, that doesn't have a help on and sign up. These robots have not replaced the people. They've made them more effective. They've protected their bodies. Um, when we go into a facility, the first thing we look at is how do add employee happiness and wellness? Because if that is the core, it, the manufacturing is a people business nowadays. The machines do a lot of the work, okay? But the people make the machines do it, and they they, they keep them running. Um, there, there's a fallacy that that everyone still believes that it's cheaper to manufacture in China. It's not. Um, it's only if you're using tons and tons of ineffective labor. Um, and if I, I always tell people, you don't have to take my word for it any way, shape, or form. Foxconn, the the iconic Chinese manufacturer that makes the iPhone is building a manufacturing plant in Wisconsin. The, wow. the, they know they can produce it here cheaper. So wow. we have to break down this mentality we have of what it was 30, 40 years ago. My, my dad worked in a, uh, in a factory 28 years. I think he was laid off six or seven times in the last five years, changing ownership left and right. They were a profitable facility, but they were so stuck in the time of when they were there that they, they kind of floundered. Um, and, and it was not a pretty place. And, and I remember him coming home with his hands stained in blue ink because they weren't wearing protective gear when they're, they're doing things like that's not the case anymore. Um, I mean, what, one of our plants has a, uh, has a, a full-size racquetball court. In it. Like it, it's wow. really just, it's a different world. 
um, the the machinery is it's an assistant to the people. Um, I have yet to find somebody who can have a machinery run flawlessly, but you are getting more production per person than you did 10, 15 years ago. So the, the that that fallacy does exist sometimes where people are like, oh, well, but you used to take 10 people to make 10 parts. Now you use one to make 10 parts. Yeah, well, society is also consuming a lot faster now too. So we need to make a lot more parts and we don't have a lot more people. <laughs> so it, it, right. it, there's a balance going on here. Um, so I, I do not buy into automation taking people's jobs. Um, actually, if anything, it's making it so that it makes low-wage countries more and more obsolete, bringing more and more jobs back onto American soil. So I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people think that other countries, I won't name any, but they, they have this, you're right, this advantage because they're using that no regulations, they can pollute the environment, they can use child labor, all those different things. But if you have a manufacturing facility that's very high tech with more qualified people that's clean, you're right, it balances those right. things out. But in America, the last stats I saw was manufacturing is about what, eight and a half percent of our workforce. I don't know what it used to be, but I would assume 30, 30, 40% yeah, back in the day, right? amount of, uh, of our workforce. And there, there's something that happened uh, about 20, 30 years ago. Um, or so let's say 15, 20 years ago, there was a switch in, uh, in the U S and I, I was part of this. I, my, my father was the proponent of this, of switching from, Get yourself a good paying manufacturing job and you're going to you're going to be able to take care of your family for the rest of your life to don't you dare get into this street. I don't want your body getting beaten up. I don't you go to school and you get this and that. And I I was that cross generation where the, the parents are like, do not do this. It's horrible. And we're sitting there going, but it doesn't have to be that the, the technology is caught up. So. The, yeah, the, the, the stats of those jobs of what people are doing went down, but people doing gig economy skyrocketed. You're going to, I'm just going to throw this out there. You're going to make more money and have probably an easier schedule that promotes more time with your family and your community with a manufacturing job. If it's a modern version and, and it's safe and it's clean and you're well taken care of as a human, then much of the gig economy. So it is, we yeah. see this as a way to bring back great paying jobs that take care of the, the people. Um, we, we, we focus very heavily on what the local community of one of our plants is like. I'll give you an example that works, uh, that, uh, that I explain everybody. In California, um, if you schedule employees to work on Friday night during high school football season, unless they're kids on the high school football team, not a big deal. You schedule employees to work on a Friday night during high school football season in West Texas. You can literally destroy their social and their social connections with the people around them because it's such a pillar of that community. So this is not a one size fits all. You got to truly understand your people and where you're going and and how they fit the community. And through that, you can provide these amazing jobs that then spill over into, hey, we're going to bring up, it's go, we're not going to stay at 8 to 10%. We, that starts growing because they're good jobs. 
And, and that's that's the balance that we're aimed at. Now that's great to hear because look again when I worked in that factory it was it was the management versus hourly there was the mediators which were kind of the union elected officials it was like a war 24/7 I mean a big reason why I left that world was one I knew it was unhealthy and horrible for me but two I didn't want to ask permission to go to my kids <laughs> recital or something like that right because that era, nobody cared about anything except for getting product out the door, right? That was the only care in the world. So it's really cool to see that that has changed and it continues to change. Yeah, different, it's a different model. Um, I mean, it, so every industry has gone through stuff like this. Um, I mean, and this is, this is the moment in time for manufacturing in my belief. Um, but if you look at like tech, Tech used to be a grueling world. It was very harsh and stuff. And then suddenly this little company called Google pay, starts paying for all of their employees' food and gives them a ball pit and that like get, starts really just fo- changing the focus. And guess what? The employees gave back. So it, it, it really was – it was a dawning of a new era. Now it was, hey, make sure your people are taken care of because then you can – they, they do the best in the community. They do the best for the, the company. They do the best for themselves. And if someone's operating at that level of quality, everything around them does better. Um, manufacturing, yeah. it went through a hard time because low-wage competitive countries that were using basically, for all intents and purposes, if I, 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 uh, they were using illegal labor. Um, that would never be allowed in mo- in most countries. They came in and just gutted the the American manufacturing sector because the technology wasn't there yet. So it was they they in run it and when it still takes a lot of people. The machines aren't the the uh, the machines, the automation, the safety systems, all of it isn't in place yet. And they took about fifteen to twenty years to use that model. But in true innovation, uh, in true innovation, American manufacturing changed and they went back and said, no, we can do this. We don't need to do it this other way. We don't need to compete with mistreating employees. We, we can do it with technology, innovation. I mean, the, the things that made the, make this country amazing, the manufacturing industry embodied it. And we're like, hey. Yeah. We're gonna out innovate you, and and we will get it back. And that's what's happened. And that we're at that that crossing point where it's possible. Um, so nice. that, that that that's kind of how that how we push with that. Are are you learning a lot from say an Amazon that seems to be in between the this modern era that you're speaking of and kind of the old school? Because we hear a lot about their people problems and, and situations in their facilities, which I know they're not technically manufacturing, but they're still ran like that, right? Are you learning a lot from kind of the mistakes they're making and the, and the positive things that they are doing and able to apply that into the future of what you're doing? We keep an eye on, of course, every major player. Um, every business has a different model that they're chasing um, and, and and how they structure. We... Amazon's very, very new uh, for, especially in the, in the world that I operate in. I, the, I, I like to buy companies that are 60, 70, 80 years old and then transition them. 
So I look more towards companies like that, that they are, they have, they're not trying to create a culture from scratch. They're trying to blend with the culture. Um, you, you see this with, uh, General Electric has had to go through a lot of transitions, um, and, and truly go back to find themselves. Um, there's, so uh, Amazon is, is a different player that, that they're growing at a rate that is, just astronomical. I mean, if you ask somebody 15 years ago, is Amazon going to sell anything other than books? They'd be like, wait, they sell books. Like yeah. it, it wasn't. <laughs> right. it, 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 so I, I don't, the, our timelines are different. Um, we do heavily pay attention to um, some of kind of the, the positives, the negatives. I mean, some of the robotics that Amazon um, has, developed are absolutely unbelievable um and, and they're, they're really really good um so we're, we're we keep an eye on basically all industries around us yeah i think the demonization of amazon is just look they're a victim of their own growth like you said they're 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 still fairly new and they've blown up so of course you're going to have all of those issues um okay so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about people like employees like like right now we're we're looking at a workforce where every single person i know is struggling to get employees in the door so what are you doing to find the right people and if there are people out there looking for a better job or looking that that never even thought about manufacturing uh, what type of person is a good fit for this so I'll, i'm going to break that in two a little bit first off best way to find people is your people to tell people um, and your people will not tell people if you do not fix the inside of the house first. Um, if, if your buddy comes home from work every day going, ah, oh, my, my boss is a jerk. I'm exhausted. Barely move. Hey, guess what? None of his buddies are going to come work for you. So just that is a That is the, the starting point, um, is get your, get your own backyard in, in order first. Um, and, and we have. We do that and we try to work with our people as much as we can because when then they go out into the community and they go, God, my, we, we, we had a barbecue today or we, we, they were, it was a really cool day. I got to work on this crazy, great project. Guess what? That really creates a lot of, uh, a lot of inbound traffic for, for uh, employment. This whole great resignation thing. Why are so many people resigning? Uh, resigning? Cause they haven't been happy and they, for quite some time, and they've heard that everybody's hiring right now. So they're like, hey, <laughs> I don't, the risk of me leaving and not getting another job is almost zero. So I'm just going to, I'm going to resign and move on. Um, what are you, the other, the other question on what is, um, what do we look for in somebody? It's a blend. Um, I, so say it's somebody, but, Say somebody comes in and goes, I have 29 years. Um, I've worked in a Ford plant all these years. And I, I, I know, I, I know manufacturing. Pro probably going to want that guy. I get a 28 year old kid that comes in. I've never done anything like this. I, um, I'm a barista. Um, and, but I really, I, I think that the, the, this efficiency concept is really cool. I want that kid. Guess who? Guess what? Two people are not going to get along out of the game. Thirty years and thirty years old. <laughs> like, right. it, but we will if their culture is right, and we, we try to keep ours right. Um, and it is an ongoing um, 
development. If the culture is cor uh, correct and you can get those two people to work together and one of them can show them, hey, this could be better. And one of them can show, hey, here's why we do things the way we do things. That is the best piece ever. Um, I do not require employees to have a background in manufacturing. Um, actually, oftentimes I love when they don't because I have less bad habits that my team is, are going to have to break. That being said, there is no trading experience. Experience is what does everything. Uh, it drives and it, it, it helps that innovation because it's like, hey, that my favorite is, well, that's, that's never going to work. And if I can get the guys pushing the innovation to turn, what's going to fail? Well, it's going to snap right there. Cool. Put another gusset there. Well, now it'll work. It's like, great. And so that, that there's a balance there. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the day, it's just people that we like to, to be around. Um, if I, I don't care how much, um, how good you are at your job or how amazing you are. If my if some of my team goes, I don't feel comfortable with them. They just, they're kind of a, they're kind of mean. They're kind of dead. that. That'll do so much damage to your culture. It's not worth. It. Just keep the keep the spot open. Um, it, you're that person will usually drag down the rest of your team. Um, so it's really just balancing all these emotions. We do actually require a lot of our hires to um, do personality profiles so that we understand, uh, especially their managers understand when they're coming in. Um, where does this person sit from their native home? Um, and th this is, goes back to that modern style is you, you want to make sure you're blending your teams, right? And you want to understand your people. So, you know, Hey, if, are you somebody who I, one of my best employees hates change, absolutely hates it. His job within the organization is actually almost purely about changing. And everyone's like, why'd you put him there? Because he will find every pitfall physically possible before we launch. Because it's just so unnatural to him. I was like, yeah. and he would have never taken the job had we not been like, we will support everything you're doing, but I want you there to see where the, hole, the holes are going to be. So it, it's really just, a, it's a blend. You're, you're constantly trying to build this team that functions like a team, not a bunch of yes men, not a bunch of, I, I had actually uh, one of our high level leaders years ago, um, <laughs> but he, he asked for a six month review and we walk in and he had been doing a good job and he walks in and I'm like, uh, I, uh, he goes, how am I doing? I'm like, you're doing okay, but I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of worthless to me. And he goes, excuse me. I've been doing all these great things. I'm like, you haven't told me I was wrong one time in six months. I have never had a streak of being right that many times in a row. Yeah. I was like, so either you fear me or you're not thinking about what we're saying. And he goes, well, I'm new here. And that. I'm like, yeah, so that needs to be done. We have open conversations about anything we're doing and tell now every single time he sees something. Okay. So uh, I want to talk about this. And I'm like, great. That's what we needed here. I don't need people just nodding all day long. Like that doesn't help us at all. Well, I tell you, it's refreshing to hear you say you do personality assessments because I work in emotional intelligence. So we've taken it to the next level of behavioral assessments because it's one thing to understand their personality. It's another to work on behaviors that they can actually change. And, and one of the things we measure is candidness, which is 
this person's challenge you were just talking yeah. about, right? The, the ability to come and speak to you about the tough topics like that. So I really want to see more companies moving in that direction. Look, I think number one, employees need to know who they are as much as they possibly can. Yeah. The employers need to know who the employees are. And then you need to understand where they're going to work with what people the best. I mean, we're, we're trying to create these utopian work environments that we're trying to force all these square peg round hole yeah. folks together. And look, God bless them. I know everybody means well in that world, but it just, it's not feasible. Like we need yeah. more information, more data to make that happen. So, you know, kudos to you for, for doing that for the employees and for yourself, for sure. Thank you. Now, I want to switch gears to one more thing as well, uh, because we hear about all these supply chain issues. And even the president just recently said something about food shortages and, you know, everything that's going on in the world right now. And I've learned a lot about manufacturing that I didn't know through COVID and, and all that. And it's where we get some of our raw materials from. So you can have factories all over the United States. And I'm assuming smaller factories you would think is better than these large behemoths. But how do you deal with those issues when the raw materials aren't made in America, that they are shipped? Um, how do you deal with that? So one of the, there's a couple of things. I mean, and I, I would be a liar if I said we are not constantly dealing with supply chain issues nowadays. I mean, that, that is the reality. Um, the, the, there's ways around it, though. Um, first off, relationships, relationships, relationships. You want to make sure that the teams you're doing business with, you understand, you know, um, the, the, the manufacturer, or the people that are hurting the worst right now are the ones who have been blind bidding uh, or they, they've been sending out their all of their parts to 14 companies. And whoever is the cheapest and fastest is who gets that order every time. Yeah. That, if you've been playing that game for the last five years you're probably hurting right now um, because the vendors know you have no, um, you, you are not on their team. They're just the cog for you. And frankly, that they're just not yeah. playing with that. Um, the other thing, globalization is, is a reality. We, uh, we, we, we know that the, the world has to trade with itself. Having, Having friends that you're buying your buying your materials materials from is good. When you have adversaries that you're buying your raw materials from, they can shut down the supply chain, and that that's just that's just kind of simple math. Um, so you need to broaden the supply chain. What what happened, uh, frankly, for a lot of um, even commodities trades and all stuff, people started getting greedy. Um, so they only went to a lot of our raw materials, they only went to places that had super low um, environmental regulations, had uh, labor that they weren't even paying for to pull those raw materials out of the ground. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, the whole system shut down. Well, that's, I mean, we, we're, we're, gonna, we're just kind of seeing it right now in the, um, in some oil and gas in the U.S. is the, People are not incentivized to reopen in the uh, reopen like a, an oil pump in the U.S. because the last time they did, all of a sudden everyone forgot the pain and shifted 100% back to the cheapest guy on the market. 
Right. And everyone's like, well, if you're just going to, I mean, lithium has been short for a long time, not because there's a shortage of lithium in the world, but because the cost to build a mine is so high that everybody is like, whoa, um, am I going to be able to sell it afterwards? Like how much longer is this going to be a core material that we need? Like, and so you got to kind of have that relationship to incentivize. I mean, if, if Tesla called a lithium and said, we're, we're going to only buy from you, guess what? People will start making mines all day long. Um, so that, that's really, it's, it's largely a rela- relationship game. And if you've been playing the, I'm only going to deal with the cheapest and the, and the meanest, well, guess what? You, you end up giving them all the power and then they are no longer the cheapest or the easiest to deal with. They, they're like, eh, nah, I don't want to deal with you anymore. Um, and and the, we're seeing that across the world right now. Um, and, and within the U.S., I mean, we've got – there are domestic vendors that are like, you know what? We are short on our base materials, so we're going to give it to the people we have the best relationship with. Um, and so it really comes down to making sure those relationships are strong, um, that they're constantly being – monitored and you're trying to uh, trying to expand it i mean that this we use the word community and community is a very broad term for us but it's it's anybody that we interact with um, or any location we interact with so it's really making sure that that's all stable so we we've got a really good base when things go wrong yeah look i i think bringing manufacturing back home and especially smaller local types that look we're in such a divisive nation right now this is the one thing that can bring community back bring us back together like where do you see the economy headed over the next man i would hate to say a decade but like we're in for tough times man i mean inflation is running crazy right now who knows what's going to happen with the dollar we have the digital dollar potentially coming out in the next few years how do you see all this kind of playing out for america so i I, I think there's a famous Warren Buffett quote: "Don't ever bet bet against the U.S." Um, it, it's that 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 is the reality. Um, that the U.S. will innovate its way forward. Um, I think there is some some interesting and trying times coming. Um, and I think the most important thing we can remember is our, is the communities around us. Um, whether you live in a big community, a small community, a rural community, whatever it is, understand that we're all in it together. Um, that we, yeah, of course, the Joneses might have a nicer car. That, that's, but the, when we boil it down, we're all here together. Um, and I mean, this even happens on a world stage. Hey, it's all just kind of like we're here together, guys. Like it, none of us are, none of us are getting out alive. It, it, this is going to be a, a ride. Um, I think the flip side of all of that. I think there's so much amazing stuff about to happen, in it, especially in the U.S. We're we're ready. Um, there, I mean, really, if you look at the last four or five years, we've privatized space travel. We've um, the, the 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 healthiness of food is starting to go back up. People are really getting back to their communities. I mean, I, I saw a statistic the other day that divorces are down because of COVID lockdowns. Everyone thought that it was going the other way. And what people started realizing was, wow, I really do love my wife. I've just been so busy at the office or out of the house that that was what was really getting in the way. So we are, we have a moment in time that I think is going to be one of the biggest opportunities in history. 
Um, like any other opportunity, there will be growing pains. Um, we we you talk, you touched on currency and all that. You know what? It's a trying time. I mean, the, 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 you, who's going to be the winner? Who's going to lose? I don't think you're going to have a very clear definitive loser or winner on that. You're going to have a, hey, here's how this, here's how the system works. Um, but I would, I, I would never bet against the U.S. Um, it, it has not ended well for anyone who's ever tried it. Um, it's, we, we really truly, if we remember that we are just a giant community melting pot of some of the best people in the world and the best systems in the world, it's going to be hard. It's it's real hard to say that there's that there's darkness on the horizon. Right, right. Now I couldn't agree more. I think look, a lot of the people that are so gloom and doom, I think are the ones that are they're just not apt to embrace change. That they're, they're not ready. Because look, you know, I just had this conversation the other day where I remember when my father walked up to an ATM and just got confused. Like, how is this possible? But he was like 67 years old when that happened, right? But now technology is moving so quickly. I mean, five years, the world could pass you by. And I think that right now is what America's biggest emotional problem is. Things are changing so rapidly, and it's very hard for the mind to wrap the brain around what's happening right now. Would you agree with that? I completely agree with it. Um, I mean, I, I take it back to manufacturing. I like we, we introduced uh, some robotics recently um, and, and the, the level of simplicity in robotics has dropped so much like they're video games nowadays and we had a welder um, it was a robotic welder and we had a welder um, he as soon as it delivered his attitude and his mind changed and he he saw himself becoming obsolete and that change to him was horrible i we turned to him and we, we finally figured out because he was just off for a couple of days finally turned to him and we're like hey um has has anybody talked to you yet he goes no we're choosing you to program help uh program that robot he goes what i'm like you're a welder you know how to weld better you, you know how to weld extraordinarily well the robot doesn't know how to weld it just knows how to go do what you tell it to do so I want to pay you to sit there and run that thing. And I want to work with you on that. And suddenly the fear of change became the excitement of change. Wow. And that, that's what I, I, I think everyone needs to embrace is, yes, it's going to change. Find out how to do it for the good. And I tell you, anybody listening to this right now, understand, I know times are tough. I know gloom and doom is easy to get sucked into. That's why I have guys like Jason on this program. So you know, you understand, innovation is happening. The ball is moving forward. It's not going to be the end of the day. It is not. And I'm with you. You don't bet against America. We're going to win. Yeah. So I appreciate everything you're doing, man. I think right place, right time. I mean, you are really working to save America for real, like actually saving <laughs> this country, saving jobs, uh, you know, just doing everything that the politicians give lip service to, but you're doing it and i cannot thank you enough for that appreciate it we're we're, we're really excited uh we think it's we we know it's gonna be a really cool ride when it's done all right man i appreciate you coming on the program and uh this is good this is good stuff cool thank you so much for having me it was really fun to talk
prosperity.